Hey! Welcome to RushCast. Thank you for downloading and thank you for streaming and thank you for listening to me talk about my favorite band ever. It's the greatest. I want to say hello to Carter B. from theloftyoaks.com. I should say that correctly. Lofty Oaks, not The Lofty Oaks. Uh, he sent me some reading materials this morning, actually. I didn't have a time to read as I was already planning for the episode, but some really good stuff on his blog that he talks about um, everything Rush. So I'll get back to you on that, but Carter B., glad to have you in, man. So last week... Well, we'll get to last week in a second. What you just heard was, I guess, uh, like an 8-bit sort of uh, emotion detector that Jason Vaughn sent me, all these sort of video-gamed-themed uh, Rush songs, which are really cool. For like five seconds, they're cool. You know, you get the idea, and then you're like, all right, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Actually, Kevin... Uh, periphery has these all available as well kevin and i've been listening to my second band periphery i love them yeah and those are all very complex arrangements and they do mm-hmm. is it 8-bit is yeah, that what you call 8-bit it bit video well i i don't know if it's like the music version of 8-bit i think 8-bit refers to the the pixelated right 2d format but i know what you mean it's like it's like a midi thing yeah right yep it's all midi right um i'll i want to show you oh yeah later on cool so last week we talked about time traveling, these time traveling Rush songs. If you could go into the past and see Rush when they were just starting and you could bring one song with you, what song would you play for them to say, hey, here's what you're going to sound like? Just for the the pure uh, reaction, not not like here's what I want you to sound like, not here's what you're going to sound like forever, but maybe just... Anyway, you, you get the idea. We had a, a few people send some stuff in. And I said I would probably play Big Money or Caravan because I think they accurately describe what they'll be in the future and also display the best parts of the band in one song. And I think I put Big Money over Caravan just by a little bit. But one song, Carl H., who chimes in once in a while, he says, if I had to do it accurately on a short-term basis, it would be Fly By Night. I would show them, here's what your next album is going to sound like. Uh, And then he acknowledged that's kind of the easy way out. Uh, He said one little victory would be one that he'd play. Spindrift and Marathon. He said Marathon's the big one for him. And I agree with the three you said. I I definitely think Marathon, as it is a sister song to Big Money, I think that totally works. I'm going to pull up his email right now and read some of it to you. He talks about Spindrift, an album that, or a song on that album that I forgot was so epic. Well, first he says, One Little Victory would be a great track to play as it's probably their best post-Neil Traumas. It's raw and is probably the closest the guys had been to the roots in terms of how simple they keep it, if you get me. They haven't overdone it with this track. Spindrift spin drift actually my maybe my fave track from the past three albums actually god i love it and it's such a pounding track with great vocals some fantastic hooks in a in the tune and a great if odd return at the end of the track 
this along with one little victory would basically say to the guys, you thought you were heavy in the early days, you ain't heard Jack. I'd probably still choose Marathon of the Three Tracks, and it'd be incredible to see their reaction to it back in 73 and 74. As long as playing them, the track doesn't change their creative path, that's fine by me. Spindrift is a song that gets overlooked, I think, in people's minds, uh, especially when we talk about snakes. Like, I think snakes gets overlooked, but um, when he says, a little closer to you, where are the... Uh, where is the wave that will carry me a little closer to you? What's happening musically behind those words is really powerful. Uh, and the heaviness of the, the main riff, in contrast to that really uh, sentimental part of the song, makes it really, really nice. So I like those picks. I'm not with you 100%, Carl, on One Little Victory, mostly because I've killed that song. I've beat it to death. Uh, and I think while it's a cool song to open with on 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 Vapor Trails because of what's happening and what that album means, I don't think it stands up to songs like Spindrift and Marathon. Certainly not Marathon for me. Bill Middletown Meyer also emailed me. He says twenty one twelve. Uh, for the his reason was f the record company. That's what he said. F the record company. Uh, he also brought up, he said, why, you know, all, the re-releasing all these vinyls, um, vinyl versions of the Rush albums. Uh, he said, how do people think these vinyls sound better than digital or CDs? This is an argument my dad and I have been on the same side of for a long time. Let's Let's put the hipster thing aside. People who just say that, vinyl music music on vinyl sounds better well where where do you stand on this kev i agree with you that it's complete i I think if there is a difference uh it is so slight that it's not gonna it's not gonna matter so much if to me i maybe tell me if this makes sense maybe the the idea that the excess noise you get from playing a record maybe means something more to people who were around when record you know it, it makes like a you nostalgic thing. exactly oh i hear that that extra sound which to you and i sounds like garbage like why <laughs> why do we what, need the hissing get, no, get right but to them it triggers something in their head like oh mm-hmm. you know i'm nostalgic about that sound uh i don't know i i i think there's also a like a sound engineer would probably argue i don't know all the numbers and all the uh, how to talk in terms of sound quality but i think cds are legitimately higher quality than vinyl even mp3s like mp3s are a compressed version of what a cd would give you so i'm with bill middletown meyer when he says forget vinyls cds are where it's at and let's also say hi to matthew s who's also a new listener he emailed me and said he would play digital man and peaceable kingdom for the band Peaceable Kingdom would be cool because it's, I don't think it's exactly their direction. It's sort of like a, a, it branched further away from the tree that is their music. Whereas Digital Man, I think, is right down the set, right down the middle in their music. That shows what they are, what they will do in the future. It represents them well, but Peaceable Kingdom's a little different, and I think it's cool to show them that. 
He also said, uh, we talked about Grace Under Pressure last week. And he said that he doesn't think Grace Under Pressure is just a transitional album. He thinks it stands alone. And I want to read you what he said about that. Yeah, this is, this is really well written. He says, Grace Under Pressure, the album stands alone in the band's history. That's a bold statement. Here we go. Neil's writing was so focused, concise, and thematically unified on it to agree to a degree that he was rarely able to match before or since. He'd been reading E.E. E. Cummings, and it was a great influence for him. All the songs on the album relate directly to the theme of stress and pressure and its emotional effects, whether the source of the stress is world events at the macro level or personal stresses among family and friends or inner psychological conflicts. The artwork is among Hugh Symes' very best. It's somewhat abstract, but I really got it. Pr- I really got it pretty soon after grasping the album. The figure on the left is almost Buddha-like, strong and tall, in front of a churning ocean. The sky above the ocean is all- is mostly peaceful, except for the hole in reality behind which a malevolent eye stares through trying to make the whole bigger and intrude upon the peace or grace of the surrounding sky and figure. Then he says, am I the only one who noticed that when this album was released in its remastered form in the 1990s, that the art slightly changed? It became a bit less blue and the sky became more threatening and a bit browner. And the eye became therefore even more malevolent and disturbing. Grace came out in 1984, which was a pretty scary time. Reagan was president, and he seemed to be revamping and upping the Cold War to a new level. I was really afraid of the nu- of nuclear war at the time. And right at this moment, right at that moment, this record comes out that sort of clarified those feelings of stress and unease, especially on distant early warning, red lenses, and between the wheels. At the same time, I really related to kid gloves and the enemy within relating to high school pressures and deep inner conflicts that I was starting to become conscious of at that age, 15. Also, Grace Under Pressure represented the fullest development of Rush's new wave ska influences, which appeared for the first time on moving pictures with vital signs, developed more on signals, and reappeared for the last time on this album. With Power Windows, they moved away from it. I was really sorry to see it go. It really produced some innovative tunes for the band. Grace Under Pressure is such a powerful album on its own that I think that I think it's too think to simply think of it as a traditional or a transitional album doesn't do it justice. Yes, it has synths, but Alex guitar Alex's guitar playing is aggressive, moody, and simply stellar in a way that he wouldn't quite emerge with on record again until nearly a decade later with Counterparts. He says, rather, I think Signals was a prelude or the prelude to Grace Under Pressure. Yeah, I think that's all really cool. And I especially, I you know, I wasn't around when they released or re-released Grace Under Pressure, but I would like to hear from somebody who can confirm the artwork change because that's really interesting. Check out Jason Vaughn, our regular on the show now. <laughs> Check out Jason talking about 
the song he would play for the band if he could travel back in time. It's a little different. Um, what would I play for Rush if I could try and travel back to 1974? You know, if before this podcast, I would have said Xanadu 100%. I don't even have to think about it. But now really going back and listening to some songs that I absolutely did not like, absolutely wrote off until this podcast and started listening to them and really started to get into them. Like I said, I would have chose Xanadu 100% of the time, maybe Spirit of Radio just to show them. But now if I had one chance, I'd play them high water. And it, it really surprises me to say that. But I would play all three of them. You're going to play this in 1987. I'm going to hate it when I first hear it. But then I'm going to listen to a podcast about you. And I'm going to appreciate the song forever. So I would play them high water. And never in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought I would say that. Great job on your show as always, Jay. Talk to you later. I like to imagine that Jason is on this eternal quest that he's like going cross country on foot because you can always hear cars in the background. It sounds like he's walking. Every single audio clip he sends me, man, I'm I'm not kidding. <laughs> it sounds like he's walking down the road. Maybe he's a really bad hitchhiker. He's he's been trying for weeks. Nobody'll pick him up. He's got to use the thumb. Right. <laughs> he's just got his fist yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, Jason, uh, thanks for the nice words, by the way. I think you mentioned Spirit of Radio, and that is another one that's up there with big money for me as songs that perfectly represent what Rush is. And that might be the first, chronologically speaking, that might be the first of those songs that I could think of where it's, no, this is what the band is as a whole. That might be a nice digital discussion someday. What songs represent one song that represents the band as a whole and the entirety of its music? That might be what some of you thought we were doing this week, and that's cool if you want to show them a song like Spirit of Radio or Xanadu. Um, but Jason's kind of pushing it in the other direction. What 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 song would you show them to really freak them out? Like that's that's sort of where this one stemmed from. What song can I show them to really put a weird look on their face? Really. You know, I want to give them goosebumps like, ugh, I'm going to, that's, that's us. Like even with good songs, like high water, I think is a good song. I think if you showed high water to Alex Lifeson in 1974, he'd vomit. He he wouldn't want to be a part of it. It would seem super futuristic and, and synth heavy and he wouldn't be into it. Uh, but that, that's cool. I mean, here's, uh, here's Chad and he says, well, I'll show you what Chad says first. Hey, Jay. It's your humble correspondent. If I had an opportunity to go in the Wayback Time Machine to 1974 and bring with me one of Russia's songs from their future so they could hear what was ahead of them, I would probably bring back 2112, only for the fact that when they were on their Down the Tubes tour and really questioning what was ahead of them, they would see that no matter what they did, they were going to do it their way, come out on top, and the fans were going to love them. Or we could take a different route. We could bring back Ty Sean, and they can know what not to do in the future. Yeah, so 2112, that's the uh, the F of the record company argument that Bill made. But Ty Sean is legitimately a good answer for this digital discussion because that would freak those guys out. Think about it. 
They're playing stuff like this. And then Marty McFly shows up and says, Yo, Doc, here's what you're going to sound like. That would be hilarious. And I'd, I'd like to be there for that. So people say that, people tell me I'm biased sometimes towards different parts of the Rush catalog. And that's completely fair to say. Uh, I I get snakes and arrows. I get vapor trails. People say I'm heavy on power windows, hold your fire, or counterparts. All three of my favorite albums are in that. Uh, so that makes some sense. Somebody said that uh, we're only we only cover '80s Rush. We're too heavy on '80s Rush. But what what does that mean? <laughs> '80s Rush. Okay, well let's look at it. Uh, you mean the bulk of their career, <laughs> like the majority of their stuff? Uh, it, let's go decade by decade. In the seventies, how many albums they have? Six. In the eighties, seven albums. In the eighties, the nineties down to three. You know, the later half, the latter half in the nineties weren't really available. And the two thousands, guys. We have a cat in the studio. We have a cat in our studio here. He's hanging out with the producer, and he's doing... <laughs> he's got a weird paw thing. He's doing weird things with his paws. He's got, because he's declawed, um, <laughs> I think. I think he just doesn't like textures and stuff. And so, like, he, like, he like holds his hand in his hand kind of thing. Like, he tucks it in. But he's also, like, doing the kneading bread thing because he's purring, <laughs> you know? Right now, he's got his, his arm hanging off the side of the couch, and he looks like he's paddling water <laughs> just, with just just with his wrist yeah he's toby he's pretty cool all my pets will have rush names by the way when i'm when i finally have a secure enough life where i'm not away from home all day and i have pets they will all have rush names my dog will be named limbo um my cats well paul bonolo from a few episodes ago his cat's name is liam neeson and his dog's name is emma watson so you can name them after real people, I learned. So maybe my cat will be Getty Lee. Uh, it'll be something more creative than that. Uh, what was I saying? What was I talking about? Oh, the, the decades. In the 90s, we had three albums. In the 2000s, we had two albums. And this decade, we have one. So, the 80s, are it's the bulk of their material. I, I'm, I'm proud to say I talk mostly about the 80s because that's where most of the stuff is. I know I'm trying to spread the love to every album, and here's a way we're going to do that. We're going to do, we're going to be doing a, devoting one whole show to each album. We're going to do it in order. So this is going to be starting with the first episode of 2016, the new year. We're going to start with the debut album. And I'm going to have a guest on who can talk about that album. And then the next week, we're going to do Fly By Night. And I'm going to have a different guest on who can really shed some light on that album. I'm not looking for you to break any news about the album and talk about things we've never heard. I'm looking for somebody who's very knowledgeable about that time. Preferably somebody who was around when the album was released. Somebody who bought the album as it was released. It's going to be hard for these initial ones to get somebody who actually bought 
the debut album when it was released. So if you want to be involved with this, you need to contact me. Send me an email at rushcast2112 at gmail.com. I thought about what if my there's a there's a lyric um uh oh it's called uh right to the heart of the matter right to the beautiful part is the 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 lyric and I thought what if my I should have made my email uh the heart of the matter and I can say right to the heart of the matter is that not the greatest <laughs> uh right into not the heart, the heart of the matter, but rustcast2112 at gmail.com. Send me an email if you think you're an expert on the album and its release. We're talking about you got to know what the songs are. You got to know a lot about the songs. You got to know about the tour, the equipment on the tour, in the album, the set list of the tour, the reception of the album. What do people think of it initially? The album's legacy. What do people think of it now? The track order. Tell me about the track order, how it could be rearranged, how you would rearrange it, etc. That's the kind of thing I'm looking for. If you think you're an expert on one album, send me an email and say, hey, I can come on and talk to you about Signals. I know everything there is to know about Signals. And I know I'm going to get a lot of you for moving pictures and Signals and permanent waves and Grace Under Pressure. Those are the heavy times for releases and most of you were around with those but uh sort of um give me your audition <laughs> you know i'm gonna i'm gonna choose the people who really show me that they uh they know their stuff with this one album and we'll spend the entirety of the episode talking about each one for its respective album that will be really interesting i promise i will make it interesting even if it's not Let's do a digital discussion on the fly here. You've got a pet or a virtual pet. What are you going to name it? What what uh, Rush-themed pet name can you come up with? I just thought of this right now, and I want to do it. And I'm going to think of some with you. I've spent some time thinking about it in the past, but I want to make sure I get all the good ones for you, and I'll tell you next week. Today's New World guest comes from the place where I was born and raised and until recently lived, upstate New York. Please welcome Patty Delano. Hey there, Jay. How are you tonight? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, this is a podcast, so we're allowed to do all these things that you aren't allowed to do in radio. I can ask you how your day was. I can uh, I can stu- uh, st- st- stutter. <laughs> and do whatever I want because, you know, have you ever been on a podcast before? Yes, actually, I have in the past. I've done a few. Nice. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you about your relationship with Rush. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> this is such a <laughs> such a setup. How did you get introduced to Rush? Well, uh, it's a funny story, actually. There was a young man that... Um, back in the day, used to play in the high school musical pit that I used to direct the musical. And one year we were doing the musical um, Big, and I noticed that he had posted on his Facebook one time 
the lyrics of I can't stop. I can't help but thinking big. Can't I uh, can't stop thinking big. I can't stop thinking big. And in my brain, I thought he meant the musical. So <laughs> I tech, or I commented on it as to, you know, neither can I or, yeah, it's a nightmare or something that to that effect, which he said, oh, no, it's a lyric to a rush song. And I said, really, what is it? And he's like, he had said, oh, you won't listen to it. You don't want to know. You won't hear it. And I said, no, really, I want to hear it. And you, and he had said, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you blew it all up. It's me. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, you know, go and watch this YouTube video and tell me what you think. And I did watch the YouTube video, and I thought it was incredible, and I was hooked from then on. And this young man then started just giving me everything that was Rush, and album by album. And my mission was to listen to each album and critique what my favorite songs were or what I enjoyed the most before I would get the next album. Yeah, they were homework um, assignments for sure. Yes, they were homework assignments. Which in my I defense, totally enjoyed. in my defense, <laughs> people who are like, oh, what band is that lyrics from? And right. I say, you're not going to listen. That is true most of the time. <laughs> uh, yes. And well, I, I successfully hooked a fan on Caravan. That's... Uh, I didn't even yeah. know, I didn't remember that you saw a Facebook status of mine. Yeah, that's exactly how it all that's came really out. That's really funny. Yep. And then I watched the YouTube video and I, I loved it. It was just because that, that was what they were um, releasing at the time because Clockwork Angels wasn't done yet, but they had released, was it Caravan and Headlong Flight? Uh, brought Out to Believe the, was with Caravan. Right. Yep. Right. And um, so it was like, you know, just watch this one and... I, I thought it was great. I mean, I was hooked from that point on. Um, and that really gave me a lot of time to appreciate all their other music because when Clockwork came out, that just totally became my favorite all-time album. Um, and still is. I mean, I listen to them all, but that's still the one I kind of rely on, go back to. Yeah. You know, um, especially like, you know, you get your summer music, you know, it's like that's, kind of when it came out like in the spring summertime mm -hmm. and um so every time it gets to that time of year i'm like oh yeah i gotta pull this out and start <laughs> listening you know yeah I, t I talk about that a lot on the show patty about how seasons are attached to albums for people yep uh, I yep. don't know if the the cover the album artwork of tesfereco influenced or impacted my um association association with winter but right Test for Echo is definitely an album for me that I have to listen to when it's snowing, you know? Wow, that's something, hey? <laughs> and I tried, I specifically tried to make Clockwork a summer song for me. It was easy mm -hmm. because it was released in early summer, but I I, right. I sat in my backyard in the sun and, and put on good headphones and really absorbed the album. Right. Uh, so I'm with you there. Snakes is another one for me that's summer because it was also released in late spring and we had the concerts during the summer and... You, mm -hmm. you're a new fan, like yeah. in context yeah. of the people who are involved with this show, you are a very new fan. Absolutely. So Absolutely. what, what's your fit? And I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, like, I feel like, I feel like I'm talking as a Jedi or like among <laughs> Jedis where I'm like, well, I trained her, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I'm the reason she's go a right. good Jedi. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yes. Well, um, I think we did call you the Jedi Apprentice. I mean, <laughs> the, you know, for Getty Lee, the Getty Apprentice or the something. Getty Lee, or the Get <laughs> yeah. 
Get I Master. The Get I Master, yeah. Well, I, I fed you uh, albums two at a time, I think. Yes, it was. I, and do you remember what the first one was? I think the first one, was it Counterparts? Well, I know it for a fact I gave you a chunky uh, compilation. Yeah. Because right. I still have a playlist in my iTunes called Patty's Rush. Yep. So yes. I could actually tell you the exact songs. You probably And actually, uh, there's a listener of mine who suggested we do a digital discussion on what you introduce a Rush virgin to. And I think that's an awesome idea. Yeah. We won't do it this week, but we're going to do it soon. And I'm, okay. I'll probably reference that list because I know it worked. And I yeah. have a list on there called Tim's Rush that I know didn't work. <laughs> and we'll compare it, the it, two. It didn't work? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I've done it several times where I give a, a wow. playlist to somebody and they don't, they don't dig it. But uh, oh I've, wow, okay. I did it. No, because you did pull out like the better of the songs from each of the albums that you had at the time, and then when I got through that, it was like, okay, I need more. I want more. Ah, and, I remember. Yes. Yeah, I remember. I gave you the list and said, "Tell me which ones you like best." Right. And I, right. you liked "Nobody's Hero." I remember. Yes. Uh, and a lot yes. of that and, early '90s um, stuff. Time Stand Still was another huge one yeah, that I yeah. totally got hooked on. Yep. And I'm sure yep. my listeners can relate to when they do this. That gave me some insight into what you might enjoy the best. Like you weren't right. you didn't come up to me and go, Anthem is the best song ever. I love this prog right. stuff. Right. So no. I knew what you would like, and I remember right. the seventies stuff was the last music I gave you. Yes. It was. You kind of worked sort of backwards for a month. So you yep. fall into the category, you fall into my theory that people like the album that they saw released first. The first uh-huh. album they saw released or got to experience the release of is their favorite album. For me, it's Snakes, yeah. and Snakes is tied for first for me. Yeah. You, it's yeah. Clockwork Angels. Yeah. What are yeah. your other favorites? Well, definitely Counterparts. Um there's not a song or yeah, there's not a song on that album that I get sick of listening to or would skip over. Um, you know, that's one I can start from the beginning and listen to it over and over. Um, then I would have to say probably Tess Barreco. Really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I love a lot of the songs on Tess Barreco. Um, that was another presto actually. Probably would fit in there. Um, was Power Windows your big time favorite oh, one? Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, um, there was a couple of songs on that. I mean, I don't. I, yeah, no, really. Actually, the more I think about it, they're all good too. <laughs> um, it's interesting because oh, go ahead. I think as I get, you know, like down the line, down through the years. You know, they get, like, less favorite. I mean, Signals is great. I have some great things on it, but I don't think I listen to that nearly as much as I have um, Grace Under Pressure. Um, and there you go, though. Well, you're... Because you're not a musician. Right. And you're older than I am. Yep. And yet your 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 tastes all lie in the in the second half of their career. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure, definitely. I'm sure I influenced that. Oh, probably. <laughs> <But laughs> probably. Well, and you know, I do remember them back in the day when they were on, you know, I mean, everybody remembers Tom Sawyer because it was on the radio oh, and it was again, like, this is something, big. this is something I didn't know. You, you knew of Rush growing Certainly. up. Certainly. Absolutely. 
um, wasn't what I would have considered at that time, you know, in my younger years, music that I would have listened to mm-hmm. because I didn't have the appreciation that I did uh, that I do now as an adult. You know, at that time in my life, it would have been like, oh, it's not a love song or, oh, they only play, you know, they don't have lyrics. It's just music, you know, um, definitely the young girl, like, no, I have to have something that I can, you know, cry over, <laughs> you know, or think about someone when I hear that song, you know? So now in my, of course, in my older years, it's like, oh no, this is music that I can appreciate. And the message is there. It's just not the same message that I would have looked for when I was 19, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, um, non, uh, lyrical music just completely blows me away these days, you know, where I would never have given that the time of day back at that time. You like so the I instrumental that, stuff. Yes. The instrumental stuff is incredible. And I never would have listened to that. Um, you know, so I think that I have a whole different appreciation, um, kind of angry at myself that I didn't give it a little more of a chance at that time. Cause I definitely would have <laughs> right. done more concerts. <laughs> you missed you the know? Boat. I did. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yet, and still thankful that I did catch on to it and appreciate it now, you know, cause, um, how, how yeah. is it like, how is it, what is it like being very much invested in a band that you knew was popular when you were young? Like if I, like what's a band that when we're older, we're going to think, Oh man, I really wish I were, I were into that. Well, actually, if they weren't all that popular, I mean, they had some songs that were released. They had a few of the videos on uh, MTV, but you know, I don't think that they were making, you know, as being a lifetime fan, um, they had a certain audience and that audience is the people that loved them and followed them everywhere they went. As far as like a general audience, you know, if they came to spec at that time, I know my friends and the people I were with wouldn't have gone to see them, but yet Jay Giles has one hit song out on the radio and we're like, Oh, we got to get tickets. <laughs> you know? Sure. Um, I just think it, if, it, if down the road, I become a humongous Bruno Mars fan. Right. I'm, I'm okay. going to, I'm going to think, man, <laughs> I wish oh, yeah. I were this into it when he was really cool when I was oh, yeah. 20 years old or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I did have friends in college that were big Rush fans, and they would want to, like, put those albums on, and we'd be like, oh, God, no, this is terrible. He can't sing. He's got that high, screechy voice, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we would be, like, kicked out of the room. <laughs> right. Like, you don't know what you're talking about, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, now as I look back at that time, it's like, wow, I should have been a little more open-minded. Give um, me... I, give me like five to 10 tracks that you would send to somebody to get them into rush that I would send to somebody. Yeah. Like if you wanted to get your daughter into rush, what (laughs) what tracks would you play for her? (laughs) She would, she didn't, Oh yeah. We know that doesn't work (laughs) for your (laughs) daughter. No, no. Uh, you want me to just give you 10 or it doesn't matter what order or or even just like track. Yeah. It doesn't matter what order. What tracks do you really, what tracks really resonate with you? Oh, okay. Animate. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my all-time <laughs> absolute positive favorite songs. Um, 
I would have to say Alien Shore. Of course, this is all, again, counterparts are so big for me. Cold Fire, which not a lot of people like. <laughs> um, let me see. Uh, I really love Driven. I think that that's... I, I like these particularly because the music in them is so... I don't know. It's that kind that just grabs you and you can feel it in your, your, your chest. You can feel it in your body. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's the kind that just makes you want to drum it out with Neil Peart, you know, or I just get up there or turn it up as loud as your radio will allow, you know, kind of music to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I love about those. Um, of course, you know, time stands still will always be one of my ultimate favorites. Um, the past, another one of my complete ultimate favorites. Um, let's see. What other ones can I think of? It's so, it's just so, uh, well, I mean, you'd like a lot of clockwork. What What are your clockwork? Uh, oh yeah. Clockwork. Highlights? Yeah. Yeah. My clockwork highlight, my favorite is the, Anar- the um, Anarchist. Yep. I just, uh, I love that song. Uh, you were the first person well. I thought of when they opened the set with uh, that. Oh God, I would have died. <laughs> Yeah, that I don't. There is just something about that song again that just grabbed me, and uh, I never get sick of hearing it. I never. I just turn it up as loud as I can stand it, and you know, it just makes me want to get up and run or something. You know, <laughs> um, and then of course I totally. And I didn't like this song at first, "The Garden." Mm-hmm. I was not a big fan when I first heard it, because um, I guess it was not a Rush style kind of song. Because it was slower and it was, you know, I don't know. It was something different a, for them. It was something different. But um, after listening to it a few times and learning the lyrics to it, and I just, I fell in love with it. And again, that's like one of the ones that I totally listen to as, as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, that was definitely become one of my favorites. Wish Them Well, same kind of thing. Um, I think it's just because they're just repeat constantly you know all that you can do is wish them well (laughs) but there's a lot to that statement as you know you know i mean it is a good statement right and Um, for the rest of eternity whenever we have somebody that annoys us we'll always think of that song that's right (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly so i yeah you know that definitely turned into you know at least i don't turn it off you know like some of them i mean i know you and i have talked about this before that dog one I can't even that remember dog, the name of it. That dog, dog one. That dog be one. The new, I, I can't I'm, do it. I'm I telling can't. you, Patty, I've got a lot of listeners, and they love you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, not all of them. You know, we, we right. do a lot of defending of the, the hated tracks here. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the people who don't like dog ears, I think that dog one was a great <laughs> way to call, to refer to it. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I can't. I've tried. What is it about? Okay, let's talk about that. Because what is it for you? I'd, I don't know if I would hate... I don't know that I hate that song. I, I don't think it's their strongest track. But I, I wouldn't think anything other than... Anything stronger than that if people didn't just express just, how much they hate it so much. I just think that they like ran out of ideas and they needed one more song for that album. Or lyrically or that, musically? Lyrically, or? both. Both. I can't, you know, because, you know, if I can stand, if I can listen to it lyrically and say, all right, that's got potential and, you know, um, you know, I'll give that one another chance um, because I know there's one that you and I never really agree on scars. I mean, I think that I know that that's 
lyrically, that's probably not their strongest thing. But the instrumental part of it or the music part of it is so catchy and so strong that I love that song. I can listen to it and be like, yeah, that's a cool song. Yeah, my dad said the same thing to me the other day. He's like, Scars is really good. I forgot how good that was. And I'm like, exactly. ah, yeah, okay. yeah, see, I yeah, know. That kind of goes against your rush soul. <laughs> yeah, now um, you said you like Presto, but yeah. do you like all of Presto? You like Scars. Do like you like Scars. Anagram? Do you like yeah. Hand Over Fist? Do you like, I like Available Anagram. Light? I'm not a big fan of Hand Over Fist. It's okay. Um, uh, War Paint, I think, is cool. Yeah. Um, Show Don't Tell. I mean, I think that was one. Was that on the radio? Or You're asking not? the wrong guy, but I, I think it was I, the sing. I think that in the past were the singles okay, off of that album. Okay, it could have been. Because I kind of think I remember that at some point being on like, the radio? something I heard maybe on the radio. That's that's like a, a such a foreign thing to me that you could hear a song like that on the radio. <laughs> I might be wrong. I might be getting no. I think you're right. I'm sure somebody okay. will tell me. But all right, yeah. Um, hand over fist. Eh, you know, <laughs> it's okay. Superconductor. It's kind of weird, but <laughs> it's you know, the weirdest and, and the coolest. Yeah, it's, it, I can get through it. I don't mind listening to it. But like I said, when we get to dog years. You know, I really seriously am like, did they just run out of things to say? <laughs> maybe they did, you know? Just, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's the premise of it, you know? It, it's like, you know, talking about a dog and, you know, it's, um, you know, what it scratches and itches. and. <laughs> I know, I read that Neil had a hangover when he wrote those lyrics. <laughs> that would make more sense. I, or I can forgive him for that then, you know? <laughs> um so and that you, is like really my least favorite of all of the Rush that I've listened to. Um, even more you know, than Tyshawn. Yeah. Yeah. Because there again, I mean, that's something that they experimented with. And it, it's kind of cool and it's kind of relaxing. And if you're like in a meditative type of state, you, that's a good song to put on. Um, you know, you don't have to love it, but it can kind of, it can kind of bring you down a little bit. Um, you know, where I just I, I just can't take the dog ear one. That's got to be totally my least favorite out of uh, everything they've done. So you had an op. I mean, you had your whole life where Rush was around. Yep. And you saw them for the first time on the Clockwork tour. Yep. Up at Saratoga in upstate New York. Yeah. Yes, I did. Uh, so tell me about it. Oh, it was to me the most incredible. A um, couple of hours, three hours that I've experienced, um, especially in Saratoga. I've been to Saratoga for many concerts in the past, you know, way back in the years that Saratoga has been around. Um, and to me, it was one of the best concerts by far. Um, the light show, just that the whole, the way that they lay it out and the way that they play the music along with all of their other things on stage was just a visual and musical experience um you know i know that i would have loved to have seen them in um where you went for them um wow can i believe madison square garden Mm -hmm. just because acoustically i think it would probably have been so much better for the ears um saratoga i don't think is known fantastically for their acoustics because it is partially outside um you know, and and if you didn't know the music, I think people would have a hard time understanding the lyrics. 
um, you know, because I went with my family, as you know, and they're not the biggest Rush fans in the world. And, um, you know, I think my son enjoyed it. The other two were like, yeah, okay, we did this. We're not doing this again, <laughs> you know. Um, I went with a, a friend once. I, I went to Jones Beach in Long on Long Island for clockwork. Yep. Actually, it was two days before the concert you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. she turned to me and said, I have no idea what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> what is he singing about? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then I'm like, exactly. yeah, if I didn't know these tunes, I wouldn't know what he was saying either. Yeah, exactly. And, then, and I think that that's a hard thing. Although I did try to get them to like, hey, listen to Clockwork Angels. Just listen to this album. You know, you don't have to memorize it. Just listen to it a few times or even once just so that you know what you're going to go and hear and see and experience because it's going to be cool, you know, and it's going to be great. But that didn't really fly. So like, all right, well, sit there and then don't, you know, don't understand it. I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm enjoying every moment of this. <laughs> what was the big, so. the biggest difference? Like what made this different and more unique than any other show? Well, I think that they are um, visually it was incredible with all of the the light show and all of their, um, you know, antics on the screen behind them. Um, and the, oh my God, like, you know, the orchestra that they brought with them, I thought was just incredible. I, you know, and I know that, and I've read some things on people have mixed emotions on that. Um, they, I don't think people really, the, the true rush fans are like, no, it needs to be just those three. And don't bring anybody else out. You know, I don't think that they appreciated it as much or felt that it was as necessary where, you know, to me, it was just, it just completely intensified it. It made it that much more enjoyable because they got into it too. They were awesome to sit and watch them rock out to it. So they really, truly got into their playing as well as the three guys. Yeah. I I think true Rush fans did dig it. I think, for whatever reason, there are like rush purists. <laughs> I don't right. know why that's even a thing. <laughs> right. Who think that there should be nobody else on stage. But yeah. I don't know how you can deny that that was an yeah, awesome thing. I don't thing. either. I don't either. And I know I did read a few people's comments on, you know, like, well, you know, I, and I really, too, again, the comments that I read anyway, I mean, it might not even be the true rush fans or whatever. It was just whoever was commenting on that tour a few of the negative ones were like, this wasn't, you know, Clockwork Angels itself is not a Rush album. Um, Maybe they didn't like the direction that Rush had gone in for this particular album, where, you know, it might have been harder to swallow than, you know, what they were used to. I mean, let's face it, you you know, those true, true fans love the, the earlier stuff. You know, the 2112 and... um you know, again, Tom Sawyer and all of the ones that really made them popular to begin with. Um, you know, what was the limelight? I mean, that that was another one, wasn't that one that like was always you always hear? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, they play all the time. Um, where I don't, I don't know if they appreciated Clockwork as much as you know, my, myself included. <laughs> you know, the newer fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what makes them so progressive. I mean, so they, they changed. I mean, look at what Getty did in the middle there when he started doing everything on the synthesizer, you know, I mean, it, it was completely different than what they had been in the, what they had done in the past. Some people hate it. Some people love it. 
and you know they're mixing it up. They're they're still going. <laughs> they must be doing something right. So <laughs> after all these years, um, but yeah, that tour it blew me away. It really did. I mean, the last concert before them that I had seen was, um, I think it was like Chicago up in Spat, and Chicago was playing with the Doobie Brothers. Oh and, yeah. You know, and that was a great concert. Don't get me wrong. Chicago was one of my favorite bands when I was a kid growing up. I loved their music. They were they were something different at the time because they brought horns into, you know, rock, which never had been there before. And they were like the first to do experiment with that. And, you know, they had incredible music. They had, you know, some bad music as well. Um, and their concert was great. We truly enjoyed it. It was fun to be there. But it wasn't a show. You know, Rush put on a show, <laughs> you know. Um, that reminds like... me, there's uh, a, a version of Mission that has horn parts. Oh, really? That I think Getty said that in a few interviews that none of us have ever heard. And wow. I'd I'd hate to not be the guy. I'd hate to have something like this and not try to start some sort of informal petition to get that... Uh, right. That track to see the light of day, but it just reminded me right now when you mentioned Chicago. Wow! Yeah, wouldn't that be Wait. cool to hear? That would be cool to hear. What band, I'd love to hear. What that. bands were you into aside from Chicago before you knew Rush? Well, um, oh God, let's see. I would say, well, Billy Joel has always been my ultimate favorite, one of the top, you know, ten. Um, then um, the uh, Genesis, um, uh, Doobie Brothers. The Eagles, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, uh, Rod Stewart, <laughs> you know, all kinds of, I was everywhere. Pat Benatar, Linda Ronstadt, I mean, just, you know, tons of different, all different types of music. Uh, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. I still, I still turn on I Frank s- once in a while. I, I spend all my Frank time Sinatra. studying Frank stuff at school. Do you really? I sp- I, all oh, I listen God. to now is Frank Sinatra. Oh my God! Summer breeze, or blowing across the ocean there, and <laughs> <laughs> summer wind—that's what it was. Summer wind. That's a great. I mean, yeah, he's, you know, again, he just had his own style, and he was great to listen to. Um, but you know, I any I really thought I had a great repertoire of music until, of course, then my kids came around and started doing things like. Um, uh, Streetlight Manifesto and Chiodos and you know so I was introduced to that but then when you you know like you gotta well like I said when we came out with that first song it's like all right now I'm gonna listen to everything Rush for the next four years <laughs> so and well, I'm glad to have, to day. <laughs> I'm glad to have converted you successfully yes absolutely I absolutely. I have faith that you are ready for the trials I'm ready. I'm so ready. What's the other line, <laughs> Kevin? Uh, uh, the the Jedi Council will. Oh. Oh, I, my producer has the line. I know he has it. <laughs> of course, if it's anything to do with Jedi, he will know it. Oh boy. <laughs> so, um, and what did you? I know that they remixed Vapor Trails, and I know you and I have talked about this too in the past. Um, because you being a music person, you can totally pick out the difference in the music style where I've listened to it a few times and I'm, I'm still like, 
I don't know, maybe I didn't listen to the first version of Vapor Trails that you gave me enough to know what the differences were. Um, oh, so you don't really hear any differences? I don't really hear any differences, no. Yeah, but, I, mean, I um, think that's definitely it. It's just that you haven't, you know, if, if anybody hadn't consumed the original to or really digested it yet, you probably wouldn't hear a difference. There are a few yeah. changes that aren't just sonic changes. Uh-huh. Like, uh, everybody knows about the added guitar solo in Ceiling Unlimited. Okay. And Peaceable Kingdom, the vocals were were reversed, so the harmony ended up being the melody, and the mel- melody became the harmony. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. There are some synthesizers present in the middle of Ghost of a Chance. Or not Ghost mm-hmm. of a Chance. Ghost Rider. There's some synths. Okay. Yep. They, yep. Pu- they okay. really brought out the synths in the middle of Sweet Miracle. Things like that. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. But other than, I mean, the the way, because I've recently gone back to the original just because I've been really drilling the, the remastered one hard. Yeah. Or remixed, yep. I should say. And a lot of it I like just as much. I like yeah. them in very different ways. It's not one or the other. Right. So maybe right. eventually you'll start hearing those differences. Yeah. I, I think I need to go back to the original um, and listen to that more than, like you said, than the remixed one or the newer one. Because, I, I, I mean, I did a few times, but then I started to listen to the re- the new released one more so. And then I'm like, I don't see anything different. But like you said, I don't think I gave it enough of a chance. Yeah. Um, you know, and the later stuff that you had given me before Clockworks Angel came out, um, I think Snakes and Arrows was like one of the last ones that you had given me. Um, and that, I don't think I gave it, I don't listen to that one nearly enough either. Um, you know, because there, there are some great songs on it. Yeah, that that's but, a travesty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need to readdress that one. Yeah, that's because, a... like I said, ever since Clockwork Angels comes out, I mean, it's like the it was my first go to. You know, I mean, uh-huh. I only have a ten minute drive to work, so it's like, oh, I'm just going to turn this on and you know, listen to whatever I can before I get there. Because um, most of my time I spend listening to music in my car, um, um, so that's why I definitely need to revisit snakes and arrows a little bit more and give that more of a chance i think at Uh, least what happened with me was i got sick of albums i i listened to power windows so much i just didn't want to hear it anymore for a long time yeah and then they moved on to something else and it you know for me with all of the discs it ended up with presto and vapor trails i was like i don't like those i don't like those two albums and the second half of roll the bones i'm like i don't I can't yeah. do it. I don't like them. Yeah, and then I can understand that. When I was sick of everything else, I went back to Presto and went, oh, yeah, these are actually really yeah. good. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I and can understand the same that. with the others. And now Vapor Trails is up there, probably my fourth or fifth favorite album. Really? Uh, yeah. It's yeah, heavy, man. I definitely have to, I have to give it more of a chance. Well, Patty, and... I appreciate you coming on Rushcast. Well, thank you. I really have enjoyed this. And um, I'll be looking forward to this. I've been listening to all the other ones, I have to admit. And you're doing great. They are great interviews. And uh, it really keeps me in touch with what's going on with Rush because now that school is back in session, I don't really have that much time. (laughs) You are a teacher. Yeah, well, I work in kindergarten. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. And it's been an exceptionally hard year. So, uh, yeah. We I come home and crash out fairly early. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, 
but we can catch up on that stuff at another day. <laughs> sure thing, man. Um, yeah, well, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm loving this, and, uh, you know, keep up the good work. Keep up the good fight. Thank you. I love that, like, the end of an episode, the end of my time with the New World guest is always just like, let me tell you how great you are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean it to be like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's because people that are listening are truly enjoying it and don't want it to end and, you know, keep encouraging you to keep going because I'm sure you're going to get to a point where it might be tough to come up with ideas or find, like, obviously, you know, finding guests and whatnot. Um, But, you know, those people that are listening still would love to hear anything that's rushed anyway. So, you know. It's, it's, it's definitely worth the fight, so keep going. <laughs> well, thank you, Patty. All right, Jay. Um, yeah, man, we'll be I in know. touch. All right, sounds great. Later. Thank you, man. All right, have a good one. She's too old. So that was the line. Uh, well, I don't know if that's the line, if that's what you're talking about. You're talking about when Anakin, Anakin in episode one is in front of the council and Qui-Gon's like, I will train him. He will be my Padawan. Fuck all of you. <laughs> it's like this this council will not such and such about and then but he's like mem- he's like he's a blaster, uh a land speeder. <laughs> he's guessing all uh, the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> a cup. <laughs> mm, mm, lost a planet, Master Obi Wan has. You can't you you can't train him. <laughs> um uh, I'm gonna train him. <laughs> we should go <going> home. <laughs> Squeeze Come me. on, R2. <laughs> I'm gonna be Darth Vader someday. <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my friend Adam did one the other day that I hadn't seen in a while. Pudu. Remember when Sabalba like lands at the end of the race? He like crashed and burns and it's like Tatooine. This is the sound of him hitting just, the ground. No, he goes. It, it the thing crashes and lands and totally falls and it's like scrapes the ground and then it comes to a halt and then he goes. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like I like the idea that bringing in rush people to the rush community is like training a Jedi. Yeah, that's clever. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, you are ready. <laughs> well, what if there were a Jedi? What is it called? The uh, the trials. There right. were rush well, trials. Yeah, there were rush trials. You just had, you have entail. to answer some trivia, right? But but it, but you'd have to be in a room where there's a bunch of different stations. There'd have to be some running ass, but you have to get to like one to the other. It'd be like all their producers sitting in a circle around you. <laughs> a cup. <laughs> uh, You're just guessing rush. Arrows. You're guessing <laughs> rush. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Uh, what else would you guess? You would guess uh, uh, they would like play tracks reversed. Right. You'd have to guess them. You'd have to know uh, what <laughs> what year it was released. <laughs> what did Alex have for breakfast when they recorded Tom Sawyer? It's pretty obvious if you listen to his guitar licks. I think. <laughs> right. You know, it was greasy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could feel it in the force. Yeah. You could yeah. just, you know. I'm not ready to face the trials. <laughs> you got snakes and arrows. I've heard you do this for like four weeks. I could do rush buzzwords like nobody's business. Give me some more. What are, what are some... Wait, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> this is good. This is good <laughs> stuff. What What are some rush buzzwords that you have no idea what they mean? Um, I don't... 
I don't know what presto is. <laughs> I, I've heard you say roll the bones. Uh, I've heard you say, um, God, caravan. <laughs> you said, um, I'm trying to think. Everybody says Russian Rio. Yeah, yeah. You know that's something. you are very um, observant. I got I got me some ears. Yeah, I also wow. can do an impression of your dad. Yeah, what's going on, Jay? <laughs> hey there, Jay. Very good to be here. <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks for coming on, Dad. Uh, so, what are your favorite albums? Yeah, I'm just having a hard time calling you Jay. <laughs> <laughs> you could, yeah, I know. You can call me Jay. Uh, well, Jay. I... <laughs> He's my That's dad. He's Everybody dad. says I sound just like him. You do on the phone, for sure. Well, you, your dad, and your brother, if any of you answer the phone, I'm like... <laughs> uh, Rush buzzwords. I love it. Rush buzzwords. If I could wave my magic wand. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say. Tell everybody. Because you... You I said you didn't exactly. know what Presto was, but that's the name of it's the album, but it's also the name of the track. Oh, that's the track that. And did that play in my car we when you were drove in my car, car or something? I think we were in your car driving to somewhere, and you were listening to it. And then it said, "If I could wave my magic wand, then everything will be all right." Yes, if I remember correctly. And I think I might have turned it off and looked at you and been like, "Okay, what is this?" I respect <laughs> the musicianship. I respect the band. <laughs> I respect all of the lyrics. <laughs> And I understand they have like probably what fifteen albums by this point. Twenty. Twenty. <laughs> so yeah, you got to write a lot of words. It's just I don't know. I I have no opinion. I about mean, it. maybe like that's the, somebody's favorite song. That's a very isolated chunk of lyrics, and you took that and ran with it for a long time. I every, just every clearly rust, still am. <laughs> every rust joke was just like, well, if I could wave well, my magic could- <laughs> mom, my my magic wand, <laughs> everything would be okay. Uh, uh yeah uh right but i, I actually want to i can't boil down an entire 50 year spanning <laughs> career into one sentence it, very interesting you mentioned that because uh there was some like buzzfeed thing the uh worst rock lyrics of all time or worst rock lyricists okay and of course neil was number one on that list really and like say what you want about dog years or whatever but he writes some good lyrics. Yeah, he writes he's some good shit. He's like an author. Like he has yep. an he amazing an brain. Uh, and with each awful lyricist, they had an example of their worst lyric. Mm-hmm. So number one, Neil Peart, worst lyric. An oracle confronts me there, or no? I stand atop a spiral stair. An oracle confronts me there. What the fuck is wrong with that? That's fine. Well, that's the beginning of a story. Right. And that was in a song that was 20 minutes long. And they're like, this is it. And the, the <laughs> two lines where line he was like, all right, here's what's happening. And then we'll get to the good stuff. You know, like, let me give you two seconds of exposition. <laughs> so, like, I've started thinking about other lyrics that you could that you could use as an example of, like, that are awful, isolated, mm-hmm. you know? But within the context of the song, it would be better. Right. They are better. But, right. like, without context, you know... There are some examples, and I think in the future, I'm going to write a bunch down and say them on the show. That'd be a good one. If you just take this little chunk out, (laughs) then it's just uh, ridiculous by itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Catch the spit. That's a good example. (laughs) That's a great example. I have no idea what that means. Catch the spit. And wouldn't like to. That's Neil Peart's worst lyric. Maybe. That's pretty bad. I don't get it. Or uh, 
Yeah, well, I, I like how it's so hard for me to come up with a bad one, but I'll have examples for you guys. Cool. Are you going to put any of this on? All of it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> hey, this is my producer. Uh, thanks for listening. Brought to you no, by... No, I didn't say it. Brought to you by Knickerbocker. <laughs>